You're a successful business owner or entrepreneur. You love it, but it consumes your entire day and sometimes your entire night. This is the Seven Figure Builder Show. It's a backstage pass to the minds of those who've already cracked the code. Welcome to the Seven Figure Builder Show. And now your host, Julie Baranek. Welcome to the Seven Figure Builder Show. My name is Julie Baranek, founder of Seven Figure Builder, where we help high achieving CEOs connect with their dream clients to scale to seven figures and beyond. And I'm here today with my friend, Sammy Wonder. Hey, Sammy. Hey, so good to be here. Yeah, I am. I'm excited about today. This is going to be a lot of fun chatting with you. So first and foremost, where in the world are you? I am tuning in from Germany. Nice. Very nice. I love that's like one of my favorite things about doing this is connecting with people all around the world. So it's a lot of fun. But for those that haven't had the pleasure to meet you yet, can you tell us a bit about your business? Absolutely. With a lot of joy. So I am a dating and relationship coach, and I specialize in helping high-achieving, ambitious, strong, successful women find and keep amazing, incredible romantic relationships that last. And I've been doing this nearly for a decade. I have helped over 900 plus women attract empowered, healthy partners and helped hundreds and hundreds of women heal their marriages and relationships. So I know the process I have to offer and the work I do really is here to make a difference in the world. Um, I've built an eight-figure love coaching brand spreading across 60-plus countries of the world. I work with a lot of the you-know-who entrepreneurs and CEOs and C-suite women and celebrities and everyday professional women who desire love, joy, and companionship in their personal lives. I love that. And as I mentioned right before we went online, I'm getting flashbacks to my own life of that whole cyclical process and how it plays out. But can you tell us a bit about your story? Like what, what brought you here and what was your journey like coming here? So I would say there are two really pivotal moments in my journey that brought me to becoming a love coach. So I'm a trained economist and a master's in public policy. And the first reason why I decided to become a love coach and do this like complete 180 when it comes to changing your careers is because I had a hard time with men and in dating. And we can talk about more about it, why I had a hard time. But long story short, I had terrible dating experiences, men ghosting out, fizzling out on me. And I just had this umbrella description for all my dating struggles, which was men are intimidated by strong, successful women. And so of course, it's hard for me. Still, I met a man who wasn't clearly intimidated by my brains and my success. He was very successful himself, found my brains and my opinion sexy, but still went on to ditch me two months down the connection. It broke my heart. It made me wonder if love was ever going to happen for me. And there was a part of me that just wanted to avoid love and looking at love altogether because it just felt too painful. And I thought, at least my career I can control. I've always been like a go-getter, ambitious woman. So I can control that aspect of my life. But I remember when he dished me slash dumped me, the next morning I woke up and I was like, no, I'm not going to give up 
on my desire for love, family, that amazing love story, just because of this one person who broke my heart to pieces. In fact, I'm going to get nerdy about it, like I always am at anything I want to get good at. And I'm going to understand where I have been going wrong, take personal responsibility for my side in the equation, because I am the common denominator in all my experiences. And so basically, I studied romantic relationships because I wanted to figure it out for myself. I figured it out. And I figured it out in a way that I didn't just attract my incredible husband who proposed to me within nine months of doing the work, which I today teach thousands of women across the globe in my six-step love success framework. But I was able to create a process around it that I was then able to transfer to others so that they could have similar results in their love life. So my own personal struggles was the big pivotal reason for me having this complete switch in my career. And I think the second reason was when Chris and I got married and we moved to Paris to for him to work at the European Space Agency, I suddenly found myself learning German. My husband is German, so learning a new language. And then I was like, what? Now I have to learn French because we're living here. I'm not going to put up with this. Like, I'm not going to do this. But then I found myself sitting at home and I had a master's degree and I had brains and it was okay for the first six months where I was buying bags on, of my husband's money. But then there came this emptiness where I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? And then as if by a stroke of luck, this Facebook ad showed up that said, do you have a gift or a message you want to share with the world that you feel will transform people's lives? And I was like, yes, I do, because I've realized I've had this massive inner transformation when it comes to, you know, my love life and how I date and how I show up. And I am surrounded by amazing women, gorgeous, successful, kind hearted and they're having the same struggles in dating and their relationships like I used to have. And I was already like the informal agony aunt at this point for my girlfriends. And I was like, what if I did this professionally? And I actually got trained in becoming a good coach. And I mean, it's been every The rest is history. Um, we've never looked back. Six figures in the first year, multi-six in the second year, seven in the third year, and then multi-seven and so forth. And I think it's our results for our clients that has, you know, brought this level of success to the company so fast. I love that. And that's it, something I know I've heard countless stories. I've experienced myself, right? Like like I, we were talking about earlier, life is cyclical. And so many of us may have started in a marriage and then it didn't work out. And then we're back in the dating world. And that's a whole world of crazy nobody really enjoys quite frankly until you come across a relationship that's worthwhile so I know countless friends and we can talk offline about that but yes um but what do you what did you find in this whole process that women are doing wrong or what what was that pivotal piece for that transformation for you so I think the way I'm going to phrase it is that my feminist abilities brought me so far in my career, but they were not helping me in my love life. Because I was showing up, A, in my hyper-masculine energy, 
And masculine and feminine is not sexist by any means. Both men and women have both masculine and feminine energies, just for somebody who's hearing this for the first time, because I think it's so important to not reject this as a sexist term if you want to embrace the lessons that want to come to you through this conversation. And so I was just totally in my masculine. I was a go-getter, doer. If I liked a man, I'd pursue him. I'd write to him. I'd call him. I'd text him. I'd suggest a date. If he said, can I pick you up? I would say, no, don't bother. (laughs) I'll make my own way. And then I would like to split the bill to make sure he knew that I wasn't trying to use him for his money and that I didn't need his money and that I could look after myself. And basically behind all that masculine energy was just a desire to be loved. I just didn't know how to receive love when it was given to me. And all I knew was how to work hard for that love. And so I think I see the majority of my empowered in their careers clients do the same. I think we're just so trained to do, to give, to take action in order to get what we want, that we're not able to show up in our feminine and receive the love that our male counterparts have to offer. By the way, just as a caveat, I'm an expert in straight heterosexual relationships, but I believe in all forms of love. So please excuse me if I use men and man and woman in this conversation, but I do believe the principles I teach are helpful and applicable to all forms of love and healthy relationships. So showing up in my masculine energy was one big mistake. I think the second big mistake was thinking that, you know, I had to, I had to be a version of myself that men would like. I think the more independent and strong we get as women, the more deep inside our little girl is afraid that she will not be liked for her power. She will not be liked and accepted and embraced for having boundaries, for speaking her truth, for speaking her mind, right? And so even though on paper, I appeared so put together, had a great career and, you know, wore these feminine dresses, in my energy and the way I was showing up around men, I was actually really dormatty, which sounds very counterintuitive because you think if a woman is making money and she's successful in her career, she would have a voice and she would know how to assert herself and her needs and desires and wants. But what I find is the complete opposite. What I find is that in my nearly a decade of doing this work, my clients give keynote lectures on big stages. But when it comes to asking a guy to pick them up, they hesitate because they have this fear of not being liked and they have this fear of being too high maintenance and too demanding. Whereas women, you know, everyday women and everyday careers find it so much easier to attract men and to attract healthy masculine giving partners because they find it easier to be in their feminine They can ask for what they want. They can receive with joy. They can speak their mind with love and draw boundaries with love. And I think that's what is the shift that needs to happen, which is the shift into feminine, where you can receive love versus work hard for it and where you feel safe within yourself to assert your needs, boundaries and values, knowing that that is the only way to have a partnership that is going to have longevity. Yeah. And I would say last, but not the least, 
a mistake I was making was I was showing up as so guarded. You see, I used to think that success in love is about what I achieve or, you know, how smart I am or how brainy I am. You know, what is the wittiest comeback I can come up with? (laughs) And that made me often go into performance mode around men in dating. You know, I would want to be the loudest one in the room or the one like getting all the attention so that they would notice me. And I think when I started doing the work that I teach today to my clients, you know, I help them come back into their body, their anchored, grounded, feminine energy, where they find their power in being, not in doing, not in performing, but just in being, which is the essence of feminine energy. And if that sounds intangible and woo-woo, I'm happy to speak more into it. Yeah, no, I love that. And and I can definitely identify with all of those aspects just through my own, you know, life and personal experience. But I remember, I remember many god awful dating stories that we don't have to recall today. <laughs> like one in particular, he told me I was intimidating. And I'm like, I am the least intimidating from my perspective. I'm like, I'm the least intimidating. And I was just sharing with him and on that point in the date of just what, you know, was going on in my world. And to him, it was put together and he just was not feeling that vibe. And I'm sure I came across in that masculine energy, like we're so used to just doing and getting and being high performance. And there's definitely a difference in energy of that versus at home and in your relationship. And it has to be a safe place, of course, so that you feel vulnerable and are able to make yourself vulnerable for your partner and just really connect on that deep emotional level. But um, yeah, I can definitely identify with all of that, <laughs> which is awesome. I love that, that that's where you focus and help women really feel confident and powerful on their own by being vulnerable with their partner. Hey, real quick, it's Julie. I just wanted to say thank you for listening every week. I absolutely adore you and so appreciate your time and your commitment to the show. And I truly love creating free content for you to grow your podcast and your business. And if you want to take our relationship to the next level, I know I would. Or you just want to monetize your podcast without ads or sponsorship, hop into my free web class that'll show exactly how. Just go to sevenfigurepodcastbuilder.com slash monetize, and I will see you there. Now back to the conversation. Absolutely. So I think one thing we said was feminine is being. So when we talk about being, the woman who is listening to this right now, she's like, what does that mean, Sammy? What does that look like? So it simply looks like creating the space for the masculine to take action around you. And that looks like if you're dating and you're single, you know, having a chat with the guy on an online dating app but then letting him be the one ask you out on a date. Now, it doesn't mean you have to keep talking to men like for two months before you go on a date. You could still draw boundaries. I think that is where the power of feminine energy comes. You could still own your needs and your requirements without going into the masculine and proposing a date. So it would look like just saying, hey, I love chatting with you and I am not a big texter. I prefer in-person connection. Now, again, you haven't jumped into masculine by asking him out on the date or just saying, ask me out on a date, but you've 
laid a boundary, you've laid a request, and now you're again going to observe if the masculine steps up and takes the action and sets up that date. So, so often when we are struggling, one of the number one struggles of my clients is attracting men who don't make an effort, attracting men who are very passive, lie on the couch kind of guys, great guys for intimacy, great guys for connection, but not masculine enough. And the reason is it's based on the law of polarity. Romance is based on polarity. Polarity means in order for a romantic relationship to have sexual attraction and and, and um, tension, you need polar opposite energies present. So if you're going to show up in your masculine, you're going to, by law and definition, attract the more relaxed, complacent, non-effortful guys. Yeah. I call them the kite guys in my work, um, in my in Elevate, which is like my six months group coaching program where we work live with women to help them, you know, attract a dream partner or heal their marriage or relationship. And I call them kite men because you literally have to imagine this man with not enough masculine energy, you know, um, flying his kite on the beach. And he's so seductive and attractive and loving and kind and empathetic. But when it comes to action taking, setting up the date, calling you, texting you, getting his life together, getting his job, paying the bills, he doesn't have enough masculine energy. He could still tug at the strings of your heart. But once you start to embody your feminine, you will see that the kite man will literally leave you feeling, oh, like what's happening next? (laughs) And if nothing's happening, like it's going to activate your masculine in the presence of a kite man who's more in his feminine, your masculine is going to get activated, which is just so interesting to watch. I tell my clients, observe how a man makes you feel. And if you're starting to get a lot in your masculine, my guess is he's not enough in his masculine. And that is why he's leaving all these gaps where your masculine is stepping up and going like, what's the plan? Where are we going? Who's doing this? And so I tell women, when you embody your mass, uh, your feminine, you're going to be able to observe the kite man. Now, the second type of man I teach is um, the seducer. So now this one is really good, both at masculine energy coming for you. Um, and he's really good at charming you and really good at seducing you. He's a talker. He's a charmer. He's, he knows how to play the game. Now, with this guy, if you stay embodied in your feminine, your being, which means you don't take action, you don't text him, you don't call him, you don't ask him out on dates, and you actually pace the sexual and physical intimacy, you will see he will love bomb you. He will be very intense very quickly. And if you refuse to sleep with him within the first three dates, he's going to get angry and he's going to disappear. Okay, so the seducers and charmers have like one goal in mind. And when a woman is in her masculine, she can still attract the seducers and charmers because they are very outcome oriented. Um, and, you know, they don't care about masculine and feminine. They care about getting in your pants and seducing you. <laughs> but if you're in your feminine, you're embodied, you're, you're connected with your feelings and you allow yourself to feel vulnerable, you will actually feel that a seducer is taking a, a, an intense pace with you that actually doesn't feel really like it belongs to that phase of intimacy in early dating. And last but not the least, I talk about captains, which are our empowered masculine men. They're solid, they're stable, they're like your husband and mine. You know, you can rely on their word. You know, they'll do what they say they will do. They will show their interest in you, but they will not overwhelm you with interest. And the feminine in you 
Well, firstly, captains are not going to be attracted to masculine embodied women. So captains stay away from masculine embodied women because captains are very instinct driven. And so when you're instinct driven as a man, you're not attracted to a woman who has the spirit of a man. And when you have masculine energy embodiment, you are taker, doer, giver, fixer, solution oriented. He feels your spirit as masculine. And so you're not going to attract the captains if you're not in your feminine. And once you embody your feminine and you attract these captains, they are so easy to be with. I always tell my clients, if you find men confusing, you have no idea what to look for because the healthy men, the empowered men, they are anything but confusing. They're actually boring and really predictable. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm hearing is if you're not attracting the right type of guy, either somebody too passive or a seducer or something like that, you got to look internal as to what are you projecting out to the world and what energy are you putting out? Because that's, as I'm knocking my coffee over, that's what you're going to call back to you. And, you know, that's what's either attracted or repelled based off of that energy that you're putting out there. Absolutely. And the key is to be in your own feminine energy, the being energy, the vulnerable energy, the receiving energy. When you're not in that action taking energy, A, you will attract the right guys, the captains, and B, you will repel the wrong guys because the Casanovas, the players, the seducers, they don't want to work for you. Like they don't want to make an effort for anything long term. And so if you just stay put in your feminine and you saw that he's not texting, he's not calling. Now, of course, I could make things happen by texting and calling myself. But if I just stayed put in my feminine energy, I have all the information I need to understand what's going on in this dynamic. Yeah. And that that's kind of key is you don't want all the guys. <laughs> you don't want the bad ones. You just want the good ones. So that's actually good that it's repelling the ones that you really don't want that are not the quality guys for you in a relationship. Absolutely. I think so often we're just attached to getting a win and every guy leaving feels like a loss but the truth is a lot of that is good loss you know a lot of that is saving you heartbreak and drama you just have to be really detached about letting the wrong ones slide off so that there is space for the right ones yeah so so how does this then play out after you get over that initial like you attract the right guy you're in a relationship but to longevity. Like, you know, I know a lot of times I have to fight myself of not getting into that doer phase, right? And my husband, it's kind of a running joke in our family, but you know, I don't want to just take over and just start doing things. I need to then verbalize it to him and have healthy communication and all that good stuff. So what do you recommend for people with that? Yes. I mean, uh, we're both high achievers. Uh, we can get a lot of things done. (laughs) Yes. And I think when it comes to my husband, I just have to like take off the CEO hat, put it, leave it on my office desk and then go back to being a girl around him. And sometimes, you know, it's really as simple as saying, okay, the day is over, work is over, time to switch from masculine to feminine. Because let's face it, work, business requires masculine energy. Anybody who tells you that you can just float in your divine feminine all day is not telling you the truth. And it's not my experience truth. In fact, the more the company has grown, the more I have found that it is so incredibly critical to return to my own principles, because it's so easy to leave the feminine 
to abandon the body, to abandon the feelings, to abandon the heart, and to just start living off from your mind. M for mind, M for masculine, team management, asana boards, team meetings, proofreading, approving things. All of that needs us to be in our masculine. It needs us to use our mind. And the more success we have, that's why with high achievers, we see high divorce rates. We see high, you know, rates like my clients, you know, they're, 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 as I said, C-suite executives. And when I look at them, I'm like, how are you single? You're so gorgeous. But then I know why they're single. And that's because, you know, success demands a lot of masculine from us women. And unless we are very intentional about stepping out of that masculine, um, it's going to take over. And we are going to repel the very men that we love, the very men that, you know, chose us not because of our masculine, but because of our feminine energy. You know, they fell in love with us because of our vulnerability, our playfulness, our ability to appreciate them, our ability to need them, receive from them. And yet when you are in your masculine, you forget all of that and you become this hyper independent. I can do it all. I can be it all. Like, just leave me alone. I would rather <laughs> my way than, you know, my way or the highway, you know, power struggles. And I think we just have to return to that tenderness of feminine energy. So let's make it a little practical on some things you can do to come back into your feminine um, in your partnership, in your marriage, with your boyfriend. Um, I think the first thing is to um, think of your man as a gladiator. It's one of my favorite tools from Elevate. Okay. And just imagine this gladiator, you know, walking towards you. He's just like slain some dragons in the arena and he's now coming back home. And then he meets you and you look at him and then you just go like, I can't believe you're wearing that shirt again. And you left your shoes again at the at the door. You know, that's that's horrible. And I thought you were picking up the kids, but like, it looks like I have to pick up the kids. And just see like how that feels, you know, like how you go from that masculine, hot, desirable image of your partner into this emasculated, nag, scolded man who is now like on the receiving end of your, you know, criticism and on the receiving end of your lack of appreciation. It completely takes the juice out, right? Completely takes the fire out. No wonder he's not going to approach you for sex that night because I think he's felt totally emasculated. So one of the things we teach our clients is to really start looking at our partners as those gladiators. And the more you focus on that gladiator image, the more you will see that he is very much a gladiator. And sometimes because you're out in the arena fighting the fights all day, you forget to see and appreciate those aspects of him. And so you have to intentionally bring back the energy. Like I see it with Chris all the time. You know, he does so much. And then when I walk out of the office, I'm like, I'm the queen, you know, like I'm the one who does everything. And I need to get a reality check for God's sake, you know, like in that moment where my ego is taking off, I have to get a reality check on how much this man gives, loves, contributes towards me and towards this family. And so I think just coming back into the gladiator visual is just a great way of like respecting our men as men, not nagging, not scolding, not like being that, 
you know, the negative version of the boss babe. I love being a boss babe, but there's also like the shadow side of the totally. boss, babe, mm-hmm. you know, which is hyper controlling, hypercritical, hyper perfectionist, you know, can't have the bed sheet this way. We'll have it that way. Otherwise it's wrong. And so it's really nice to, you know, create that respect vision and visual for the masculine. That's one way of, you know, getting back when you leave your office, think of your man as a gladiator And I think that just brings up the respect that the masculine thrives on. I think second would be to go back into playfulness. Like, what is this life? Why are we all so serious? Why are we like, you know, like um, having a long face after a hard day's work? Like we deserve that joy. We deserve that presence. And feminine is being present in the moment. Masculine is being in your head. So you're either thinking about the future or you're thinking about the past. Basically, you're in your head, M for mind, M for masculine. But feminine is now. Feminine is the present moment. Feminine is about sucking the juice from this present moment in the presence of our partners. And so I'm a big believer that, you know, when I step out of my office, you know, now I'm here for my husband. I'm here to have a laugh. I'm here to have, you know, look good, feel joyful, play with my kids, you know, just like be in the present moment. And often I will find that my mind is going into the future, what's happening tomorrow, what it's going into the past, you know, like the team said they would do this, but they didn't submit that today. And that's okay. I'm kind to myself. I'm gentle. And I just bring myself back to the present moment. Um, If you have a hard time doing this, activate your senses, smell a perfume, light a scented candle, make a little ritual for yourself that you can anchor into every single day once, you know, the workday is over. I could basically go on and on and on, Yuli. This is what I do for (laughs) a living and help thousands of women with. But I hope that's a good starting point to start having these visuals of what feminine could look like in our relationships. I, no, it does very much. And I like I like the tactical, tangible end of it so people can know like what, what to actually do to play this out. But you hit on something huge, uh, many things, but one in particular was the respect, right? Like that is the lifeblood of men. And I think that that's something that's so missed and undervalued and underestimated that we function differently and just our everyday being, right? Like we as women don't value respect nearly as much as Amanda's. And I know that's something I've learned through the years personally, but how, if you could just talk to that, like, how does that play out? What do you recommend for people to really, um, really embody that within their relationships? Yes, absolutely. Great question. I think the first thing I want to say is that I think both men and women desire to be respected. However, if you were to do a test on the hierarchy of values, men would rather be respected than adored and women would rather be adored than respected. It doesn't mean we don't want to be respected or adored. I think both sexes do, but there is a hierarchy in values. And for the masculine, the empowered masculine man, respect is a number one value. So how can you embody respect for the masculine? The first is watch your tone of voice. There is nothing more sensitive for men than a tone of voice that sounds condescending, that sounds scolding, that sounds, hey, like how come you, you, you know, like we're, we're not even using the words, but with our tone of voice, we are basically telling them you're stupid or I'm smarter than you. And I think this is where managing your tone of voice is one of the 
most empowered skills you can have for the longevity of a relationship with an empowered masculine man. He can take it if you're angry. He can take it that you're upset. He can take your opinion. But what he cannot take is all of those things said in a way that look down upon him. And so managing your tone of voice is one of the best skills you can learn. I think second is to understand that fixing and helping and finding solutions is a girl language. It's not a boy language. In other words, when women love each other, my sister and I were always like, hey, you should do this and you should do that. And by the way, I don't think you should do it this way. You should do it that way. Or, you know, with my girlfriends, I'm like, you know, by the way, you know, I have this amazing technique of how I lost weight after, you know, my two kids in the last seven years. And that's how we express love, woman to woman. It's girl language, girl love language. But did you know that men actually feel like you don't trust them? The minute you start solving their problems and fixing their problems. So I always tell women, you know, as CEOs, we are trained to find solutions. That's what we thrive on, right? We fix problems. You show us a problem, we'll find a way to fix it. And then we'll like give ourselves a pat on the back and say, look at me, girl, I'm so good. But what if in our relationship that made us look like Bob the Builder with like our fixed cap on and it was actually not an attractive energy at all for our men, When we become Bob the Builder in our relationships, our men feel like, A, we don't trust them to figure out their own solutions, and B, they feel emasculated. Now, you might think that is not fair. (laughs) You might think, but what if my solutions are better than his solutions? And so I don't think we have to be drastic in the sense that we can never give a solution or we can never, you know, fix something. I think it's about permission. I think permission is the powerful thing here. Till today, you know, I appreciate it. If somebody says, may I give you feedback? Would you welcome that versus just come and give me feedback? Because that triggers and annoys the Bob the Builder and me. You know, I am also a very empowered woman. And I do not like unsolicited advice. I remember there was this one time where this uh, uh, woman walked up to me and she was like, you know, your work is amazing. And you know what? I think you should do X and Y for, you know, doing this and this. And I was like, okay, like, who are you? Like, step back, like, take permission. Like, and it's so interesting. I could observe my instincts because I could see she just loved me and she was just trying to like come up with ideas for my business. And I was like, sorry, I didn't ask for that. And then I had to like lean into my feminine and go like, okay, it's love. She's she's in her masculine. She's trying to give, she's trying to fix, but it's the way she's expressing her love. And so I was able to switch into my feminine and receive that. But in that moment, I could feel what our men feel. Like they feel that invasion of, I didn't ask you, invasion of privacy, invasion of like my personal space. And so if you want to respect a man, don't fix him. And if you are in a long-term relationship where there is enough foundational love and, you know, good energy, then I would say permission is key. Say, honey, I have an idea. Would you like to hear it? Honey, I have a feeling I have the solution for that X and Y you mentioned. Would you appreciate hearing it? And I think that changes the game because now it's with his permission. And so again, you've shown respect to the masculine and now he said yes to hearing you out. And that's a very different dynamic than just telling him what to do or finding the best solutions for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. 
And you mentioned about there's so many nuances in our behavior, right? Like just your reaction to that woman coming towards you and your own body language. It's like, wait, what? Stop. And I think I'll speak for myself, you know, earlier on in my relationship, I, if it wasn't a big enough deal, I wouldn't pursue it. And I've learned between me and my husband, right? Like if I could tell he was bothered about something and he wasn't verbalizing it or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily pursue it. And personally, I've learned to lean into those nuances. Like if I can tell something's bothering him a little bit, I know he'll talk to me in due time if he's not ready. But I think it's, my opinion is that it's important to lean into that nuance. And would you say that's accurate or, you know, how does that either help or hurt relationships, you know, being very observant and and, um, intuitive of like what's happening with our partner? I think every relationship is different. Every man is different. But a script I teach my clients and elevate relationships and marriage group is just to say, hey, it looks like something's bothering you. I'm here if you want to talk. And then also leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah, not to hunt them down. And yeah, like to me, I can tell something's bothering you for sure. Yeah. And I'm here if you want to talk, which is a very sweet and feminine invitation for vulnerability and openness without nagging and pushing for more. I think sometimes women will say these things, but then get resentful if he doesn't open up. Um, We'll hold it against him if he's still not talking about it. We'll get restless. We'll get anxious. And I think this is where feminine embodiment again, you know, leave the space for the masculine. It must be his decision to open up to you. It must be his decision to come to you. And if you feel like this is a pattern with your partner, um, talking in general, then maybe we need to address that in a more upfront kind of way. The other day I posted on my social media, healthy men don't withdraw. I've never seen Chris withdraw on me, give me silent treatment or throw, throw, throw a tantrum on me, you know? And I think there is this huge myth that is propagated in the relationship coaching industry that, you know, a man will withdraw at some point. You know, I don't believe that. I don't believe that healthy, emotionally regulated men uh, give silent treatment to their wives and girlfriends. I think they talk about what's bothering them and they address the issue at hand. And so I think if if a partner is constantly showing up in that withdrawn space, if he's constantly, if the woman is constantly feeling like something's bothering him, but he doesn't talk about it, you know, I don't think the woman deserves that either. I think there needs to be a conversation about that kind of situation if it's a pattern so that the woman is constantly not feeling like she has to hold herself back all the time because he's constantly withdrawn. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree with you. And how do you suggest people reach like a deeper level of vulnerability and intimacy within their relationship once they're at that point? It's a very big topic. (laughs) I have lots of questions for you. We can't go on all day. Very big topic. There's so many skills I teach in my program. And I think it's about education because I think, let's just face it, we all invest in business advice. We all invest in how do we scale from six figures to seven figures, but we just don't literally invest enough in our relationships. Like that's an area that I invested in myself massively. That's why I got the transformation I got. And I can just say that education is so powerful when it comes to, you know, creating those sexy, passionate, connected relationships. And that's the gap we fill inside Elevate. Like we work with women who are ready to invest in this area of their life to get better results and outcomes. 
And so I could talk about it all day, but I'm going to sum it up in two ways. The first is we understand that long-term relationships are a different ballgame because they require two conflicting needs to exist within them at the same time. They require, number one, friendship. Friendship looks like I know you, you know me. I love you, you love me. I know your strengths, I know your weaknesses, you know mine. Together, we've got each other's back. We do life together. I am kind to you, you are kind to me. Now, that is one pillar of a long-term healthy relationship. However, there's also a second pillar, which is the pillar of desire. Now, desire, which is I want to make love to you and I want you to throw me on my bed like a Stone Age man and make me feel like I'm the only girl in the world. Now, this need, unfortunately, is a very contradicting need to friendship. In friendship, you know everything about each other. That's how you are friends. You have deep emotional intimacy. However, deep emotional intimacy has to then still lead to desire which is hard because desire requires intrigue. It requires mystery. It requires that I don't really know what you're doing all day. And so I wonder about it. I think about you. Yeah. Desire requires you keep me on my toes. You keep me working for you. Whereas friendship requires, I got you, babe. Don't worry on both sides. And so the skill to keep your partner on his toes is to marry the two contradictory needs in a long-term relationship. And so what we teach our clients is A, for the friendship part, you know, emotional intimacy, healthy vulnerability. Of course, we teach concepts like what's the difference between healthy vulnerability and unhealthy vulnerability. You know, a lot of conversation is there with Brenny Brown's topic, um, you know, taking up, talking about vulnerability, but there's literally not enough conversation yet in the industry about the difference between healthy and unhealthy vulnerability. So like an example would be, I teach my clients to say, I teach my clients in Elevate that your husband is not your journal. Like he doesn't need to know (laughs) everything and can you please shut the bathroom door when you go use the toilet he also doesn't need to see you uh plucking out your chin hair like he doesn't need to see those things right so there's the the healthy vulnerability and then there's the unhealthy vulnerability that kills desire because it's so intimate that there is no space for intrigue for mystery for passion and so we teach the emotional intimacy and friendship part and then we teach the desire part we have I have a skill set called creating positive tension. And positive is because it enhances desire and tension is because it literally keeps your man on his toes for you. So it's it causes some anxiety within him, but it's a positive anxiety that makes him want to come to you, want to spend time with you, want to get to know how your day was versus you always being there and telling him everything. Right. And then like him being like bored to death and yawning and playing PlayStation, right? So that's more or less the two conflicting needs in a long-term relationship. They need to be balanced and there are tools and strategies we can learn to hold both of those up. I love that. I love that. And that's amazing with your program. And 
you know, you've accomplished, I'd love to dig in to lots of other things with you, but you've accomplished so much, both relationship, your own transformation, your family and your business, which is amazingly successful. But how do you define success? What does that look like for you? I think in my 20s, I defined success as as wealth and achievements. Now at 35, I define success as my ability to live my life aligned with my values. And of course, health, wealth, family, this is all part of my life circle. And so I don't see success as just achievements and financial success anymore. For me, a truly wealthy semi is a semi who's, you know, healthy, is sleeping well, is serving her clients well, finding passion in what she does. And at the same time, you know, she's making tons of money, traveling the world, enjoying her freedom. So I think a bit of all of that would go into defining me defining success for me today, like a bit of it all, not just one thing. And I'm excited to see what I will say success is at 50. <laughs> at your point, it's constantly evolving, right? Like from your Definitely. 20 to 30 to with 50. Life experience. With yeah. life experience. I think, you know, when I started out, I'm the first self-made multimillionaire in my own family. You know, this was success for me. And now it's like, hey, sorry, this part feels easier now there's other stuff to figure out. Like there's stuff with the health, you know, and health challenges. There's stuff with, you know, uh, being good parents. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. <laughs> so uh, there's other stuff that evolves over time. And it just makes you have a much more holistic view of life versus just one pillar or two pillars. Absolutely. And with that, if you had the audience and the attention of the whole world for five minutes, what would you tell them? I would tell them I am nervous as hell that the spotlight of the full world is on me. But because this is my glory moment, I want to remind every man and woman on this planet that love is what we're here for. Love is what we're here to experience and make time for it. Make time for love. Make time for your personal life. Make time to date Make time to pay attention to this aspect of your life because when you're sick or when you're on your deathbed, your Forbes magazine mentions and your bank account will not hold your hand. And what you will look back is at the memories you've created with the person who loved you and the life you lived with them. So pay attention to that now. I think so many high achievers I work with have an either or thinking, you know, I can either grow my business or have love. I can either have a very successful career or I can have a successful marriage. I think it's about embracing all of it and finding role models that show you that it's possible to have it all. And so giving yourself permission to basically have it all and have it all right now, not 10 years down the line. I love that. Absolutely. And for everyone that's listening and definitely wants to get a hold of you, <laughs> where can they find you online? How can they work with you? Thank you for asking that. So um, I'm everywhere on the internet. If you just Google my name, you just have to spell it right. S-A-M-I, 
Sammy, W-U-N-D-E-R. So wonder, which is the German word for wonder. So you can find me on my website. You can follow me on Instagram, Sammy Wonder Coach. And I have an incredible gift for your audience, which I'm so excited to share. So as we spoke about, um, you know, your women probably have nailed down masculine energy. You know, they know how to take action. They know how to go for what they want. But feminine energy is like that woo concept that is so hard to nail down and make tangible. But that is actually my absolute speciality. I am so good at making feminine energy practical and usable in dating and in relationships. So I have a 15 minute video training masterclass where I'm going to show women how they can make three feminine energy shifts that are going to give them incredible results in the dynamics that they're experiencing with their partner or in dating literally overnight and you can find the link in the show notes awesome thank you that sounds amazing and i plan to go grab it as quickly as i can (laughs) this has been awesome sammy thank you so much for being on today thank you for having me absolutely and if you found value in this episode please do share it that's how people find us and you can find me at sevenfigurebuilder.com and i look forward to seeing you on the next episode been listening to the seven figure builder show with julie baronick julie cut her teeth consulting for fortune 500 companies worldwide and now she's redirected that knowledge and power to support entrepreneurs like you she focuses on relationship-based lead generation and the magic of podcasting if you're looking to elevate your business through storytelling branding and efficient systems well you found your new home it's what we do if you enjoyed the show and got something from it make sure to like rate and review we'll be back soon but in the meantime find us on instagram at seven figure builder find the website at sevenfigurebuilder.com and to learn how to automate your podcast with julie find that site at sevenfigurepodcastbuilder.com see you next time on the seven figure builder show